So we need to break the ice. Do you know what I mean by that? Yes. What do I mean? Overcome initial social awkwardness. So let's have a conversation. I did something unexpected today. Do you know a girl with long red hair? She's not ringing any bells. She doesn't live here or... Nope. Madeline is not ready to be buried yet. She's upstairs, oh, resting peacefully. Oh, fine. oh, if she's not dead, you tell her to come down here. You tell her to come down here, walk right up to me, and kiss me on the... Kiss you on the what? Spent too much time in this body. I'm fucking trapped in here. View basic questions before the operating system is initiated. This will help create an OS to best fit your needs. Now, when I'm very good and do as I am told, I'm Mama's little angel. And Papa says I'm good as gold. But when I'm very bad and answer back and sass, then I'm Mama's little devil. And Papa says I've got the brass. And we're back. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Mary. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good, thank you. We've been watching some good films this week. Yes, we have. And actually, first of all, I just want to say belated happy birthday. Thank you so much. Um, well, to you too. Did we record since your birthday? I guess we, we did. did. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't do that on your one. <laughs> I'm <laughs> a bad okay. friend. No, 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 no. That's <laughs> fine. Uh, I know that you spent your birthday in Paris and that's very, very glamorous. It was wonderful. And it was for work, which is even more glamorous, in oh, my opinion, when yes. you just, you're like, I must, I have to go to Paris. I'm called upon to go to Paris. <laughs> <laughs> it made me feel very grown up. Oh so, my God, I love Paris. Yeah. Oh my God. It was so nice to be back there. You know, it's been such a long time. Yeah. And you know, like, I've got friends that live there and I, I used, you know, I spent, like a year there myself mm-hmm. and yeah it was wonderful and I got your goal was blue thank you so much um, which, I will, <laughs> um, which I will give you um when I see you next week for an IRL projections podcast Christmas dinner yay, yay. can't wait <laughs> <laughs> are you feeling Christmassy yet hmm um not really to be honest because I, I feel like I haven't felt Christmassy since COVID. <laughs> wow. Okay. And I can like, understand that. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel, cause I mean, to be fair, I am kind of, I'm I'm integrated back in society again now. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> they've allowed me back out there. Um, <laughs> You're doing very well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's what the guy in the white coat says, you know. Um <laughs> No, but seriously, I mean, as you know, I was always kind of a loner in the past, in the before times, but something has come over me where I'm now kind of going out all the time. Like, honestly, I'm, I'm so not that recluse anymore. That's so interesting. Yeah. The after times. Yeah. I feel like I hadn't really come out of lockdown until I went to Paris, Mm. really. 
because you know it was like a new job like you know shortly lived job and mm-hmm. um I don't know just like it was like this the first challenge in a long time I guess okay and so yeah I feel and then but also I think I feel Christmassy because Paris looks so Christmassy oh that's at the true. moment especially Saint, uh, Saint-Germain where I was staying like there's just lights everywhere it's really it's really gorgeous so I think yeah. maybe it was that that kind of got me got me and the Christmas, Christmas spirit there. yeah yeah exactly oh that's lovely and also like I it is like our season or it's just it's just finished being our season mm-hmm. um and so I think like and I always felt like this was party season you know because mm-hmm. it's like birthday Christmas all of that kind of stuff so I can totally see why why you're a girl about town at the moment it's yeah, yeah. it's kind of an exciting mood it is yeah and oh I gotta tell you about this app that I've downloaded um it's called the pattern mm-hmm. and for all of our listeners who are into astrology you need this app in your life seriously it's blowing my mind actually it was a recommend from a listener oh from Sam she's the one who told me about it I well, used to have the pattern did you I did, and I can't remember why. Like, I don't. Maybe I just changed phone or something. Because I definitely remember that app. It was really in depth. It really is. I've never seen an astrology app like that where it doesn't even mention your sign ever by name. It's very personalized, and it's like a daily thing, daily meditation, and it gives you like your your upcoming life patterns, like (gasps) transits. Yes. Oh my god! Okay, I'm downloading it right now. Can I find you on it? Uh, well, let me see. What is my handle? Oh, my my handle is Psychstar. Okay, cool. Um, it is really cool. I'm really impressed by this app, and it's all thanks to Sam. So, th- Sam, if you're listening, thank you so much because I'm gaining a lot of insight from this app. <laughs> thank you, Sam. I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna put my phone down because we're recording a podcast. Yeah, and I'm being very rude, <laughs> but um, I'm gonna log in because I'm sure that I've had it before. So I had mm. it all set up at some point. So I've downloaded it. I'll be on it later tonight. Yeah, it's spooky. Seriously, it's amazing. Okay. Um, not sponsored, by the way. This is not SponCon. <gasps> but we should. We, <laughs> we should totally get should. Sponsored. Okay, let's try and do that because yeah, I want the pattern to sponsor us. <laughs> Me too. They definitely should. If they get like a spate of downloads this, today, that will be us. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so this is episode two in our Uncanny series. Mm-hmm. Today we're tackling the sub theme of food. And I was kind of like intrigued because when we were first programming, the, you know, these films, I was just like brainstorming. I put whatever happened to baby Jane under food. And now I'm like, well, it's it's much more complicated than that. <laughs> That's so interesting because I was going to say because I was going to be like, so why did you program this under food, Mary? <laughs> now you're. <laughs> we can. I think we can make it work. I think we can work our magic. Well, you know, like it's just this is just what happens. You know, you go to therapy, you think that you want to talk about something, mm. and you really need to talk about something else. You know, exactly. so food is just the food is just the event that got us here. Ah, and you know it happens all the time like and you know (laughs) that is the most and there's a reason like that is the most iconic scene yes you know it's the scene that sticks in people's minds it's really terrifying so also like I just want to shout out to my mum this is my mum's favorite film whatever happened to baby Jane oh my god Um, so and yeah and I feel like I don't necessarily mention her all as much as I should on the Mm. podcast because she's actually quite culturally influential to me Um, but she's the person that introduced this me to this film so 
Oh, that's a really good recommendation from your mom. I mean, I first saw it, I was pretty young, actually, and it really scared me. Because yeah, same. Betty Davis's makeup scared me. Me too. Like Betty Davis's makeup scared me. Like the scene, obviously the scene with the rat scared yeah. me a lot. Um, it, yeah, it's a really frightening film. And I think, I, I don't know, I feel like actually my mum's responsible for a lot of like primal scenes in mm. life, like with with cinema. Mm-hmm. You know, I often, because I, I don't know if I, I have the impression that I just saw fragments of films that she was watching. But it might just be that I watched a film with her and can only remember a fragment. But mm-hmm. I feel like I always used to walk into the room when something scary was happening. So <laughs> the the rat scene here and the scene in Picnic at Hanging Rock where the girl screams, the girl runs oh, yeah. down the mountain and screams. Yeah. Um, which I now, actually once someone said on Twitter, like what is the most uncanny moment in cinema and like for, for other people to answer. And I put that Picnic at Hanging Rock scene because it was mm-hmm. so, it frightened me so much. But, scary. but yeah, so I think, um, I kind of lost my thread here, but yeah, she's, she, I, I feel like she's, my mum is kind of like the keeper of the scary, like in wow. my childhood, like she used to listen to a lot of like murder mysteries on like audiobooks when we were, when she was like cleaning the house and stuff like that. And she used to watch like Agatha Christie's Poirot and Jonathan Creek, which is like things that are quite scary to a child. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, make of that what you will. But my mom is, yeah, the keeper of the scary and the uncanny. Wow. From my, of, with my childhood influences. Well, I really hope that we do the film justice for her. Um, so do I. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I suppose in a, in a very kind of generalized way, maybe in a vague way, we could say that the food element in the movie is symbolic for something else. Maybe like it stands in for like a parental figure or something nur- something that's meant to be nurturing, but it's really coercive control. Oh, that's really good. Yes, that's what we totally meant by putting this. That's, yeah, that was always <laughs> planned. That was- yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what we planned. Yeah, yes. yeah. You're right. <laughs> You're right. We are geniuses. Um <laughs> Well, in that case, we should start with that because Swallow, I feel if we, if it sort of picks up where the other, le- you know, leaves off, but it does something very subversive almost yeah, on that, on that same spectrum. That's actually the order that I have the synopsis. Oh, perfect. So that works perfectly. Do you need, do you want to say anything about like the mm. importance of food in psychoanalysis? Yeah. I mean, that's a really good question. I, I don't I I feel like I'm not really au fait so much with the theory around like what's established around food other than what I associate with it myself which is obviously sustenance survival mm-hmm. and the oral stage of development you know those very very early formative years where the baby is very much fused with the mother's body Mm-hmm. for sustenance and there is no secondary identification with anything else it's just pure um it's like a it's it's almost like this ideal fairy tale of not even needing an identity because you're just an extension of your mother's body yeah. and so you're alive but you don't have the burden of identity <laughs> so um and food is very much linked to that I mean, I always loved Freud's theory about nourishment in childhood. I remember reading that he always said there could be like a negative fixation 
in the oral stage of psychosexual development if the mother underfeeds the baby or overfeeds the baby. It can be one or the other and it would still produce the same effect of like a neurotic fixation in that stage. And I strongly remember being at university in my undergrad in Montreal and the professor was going over that exact line from Freud and he said this is why psychoanalysis is pseudoscience because how could it be that you know both underfeeding and overfeeding would produce the similar effect and this is all just fantasy mumbo jumbo um there's no data that proves that you know (laughs) and I just remember so like vividly I have this memory of thinking at the time yeah, this guy's nuts. Like he's he's got an oral fixation, you know. That's, that's why he's acting out. <laughs> Imagine if I'd said that. I I really regret not saying that at the you moment. You should have. It's just so funny. It's like that would it just would have been the funniest thing of, of all time if you'd said that. I would I really would have paid to see that. I but... mean, he left himself wide open, and I didn't even strike. Exactly. You, know? you like he's he really you know he like he really built that joke for you. you oh, he did. Do. Yeah. <laughs> It's Yeah, yeah. So if I had a time machine, I would go back to that moment. Um, But yeah, I suppose apart from that, um, I guess that's what really sticks out to me. And I I think maybe the um, fixation that we may feel orally, I suppose that is very uncanny, isn't it? Because you're sort of like longing for this phantom breast. (laughs) And, you know, it's not it's just not there, I'm afraid. It is like you're longing like it's it is actually it's super gross like and uncanny uncanny is the word because yeah. you're longing to be um, you're longing to be attached to something else yeah um which is the stuff of body horror you know yeah you know I didn't mm. when I watched this film again whatever happened to baby Jane mm. um something that struck me is what is with that opening scene it's so fascinating because it really does hint at like a sort of you know, because that film, when it came out, you know, mm. it was thought of as kind of trash, right? Yes, like, it was. Uh, hagsploitation, you know, the, the lower common denominator mm. horror. Um, and I love everything about, like, the story of, you know, the two lead actresses feuding. And, like, I love that TV show they made about it and oh, all of that too. stuff. Did your mum enjoy that? Yeah, I'm sure, I'm, I think she loved it. I, oh, like, yeah, it was yeah. really good. Yeah, amazing. I think my grandmother, watched, like, the whole family, just, like, constantly watching that. Um, cool. I'd like to watch it again, actually. I'd, I'd uh, kind of forgotten about it until I watched this film. Mm. But there was an opening scene and it opens with a child. You could just hear the sound of a child crying. Mm-hmm. And then and then you hear a man's voice say, it's not, you know, like, watch it again. It's not supposed to be scary. <laughs> or, and then a clown, like you get like a jack in the clown pops up out of a jack in the box. Mm-hmm. And then the clown's crying real tears. Yeah, and then you never like it's just like this very strange vignette that hints at like ch- kind of childhood trauma and this like misun like early misunderstanding of or like you know being misunderstood of like no it's not supposed to be scary it's supposed to be happy mm. but I don't know I just thought it was so such a strange and interesting way to open that film and I'd never noticed it before I never remembered it before because obviously you get swept away by the actual narrative mm-hmm. but I had totally forgotten that it begins like that in this very I don't know I just was really intrigued by it maybe this is 
too on the nose uh, as an interpretation. But is it really just meant to be that baby Jane is the clown? Oh, maybe. You know, like she's the she's like this performer, and she when she was in her heyday, like in her prime as a as as a performer, it was a very jovial spectacle, wasn't it? But actually, she just felt like exploited and foolish ultimately and like a clown and like a crying clown like a crying clown wow that's amazing okay that's a very good interpretation because they don't because they don't really resolve it otherwise do they no not really because very there's like there's a few kind of underlying things that you don't understand Mm. uh, when whether they're resolved or not you know Mm Because when, because it, oh wait, I haven't synopsized. <laughs> oh God, yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Um, so, okay. So, um, Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, 1962, Robert Aldridge. Two aging sisters, former actress Blanche Hudson and former child star Jane Hudson, live together in a Hollywood mansion. Mm-hmm. As a child, Jane was the success and supported the family, but in adulthood, their roles were reversed as Blanche became a film star and Jane descended into alcoholism. Now disabled by a mysterious car accident, Blanche lives at the mercy of Jane's increasingly unstable personality. Blanche plans to sell the house and commit Jane to a men- mental institution while Jane has plans of her own. Mm. Micro budget of a film, less than a million dollars, but it mm-hmm. made almost 10 million. Amazing. At the box office. Amazing. Such an, yeah, it's one of those really inspiring films. That you're just like, this is what I could do if I had, you know, it's a little bit of money and a great idea and two aging film stars. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Two incredibly cinegenic icons. Yeah. That's all we need. (laughs) Just a miracle that they got those two to be in it. Unbelievable. But it's like, but it's funny because I don't think any of them really expected the success of it. No, I don't think so. And it's one of those films that's kind of accidentally. Yeah. Um that's accidentally brilliant yes um did they yeah. try to do some sequels or something or was it not sequels but um i remember there was like hush hush sweet charlotte or whatever think, happened to aunt alice or something there's yeah i think hush hush sweet charlotte that's very hard to say yeah. um they were supposed to appear in together but they had an argument and oh. it didn't happen like they would have i'd wanted to i think they would have tried to capitalize on the success of those two in films together okay um, but it didn't happen, which is a shame because a they're shame. amazing together. Did one of them win an Oscar or am I imagining that? Betty Davis was nominated for Best Actress, but the only win for Oscar was actually a costume. Right. Okay. There was, well, there was a time when they were both nominated at the same time, wasn't there? That was for the BAFTA. Right. They okay. were both nominated for Best Foreign Actress in the same category for this film. Wow. Amazing. Which is incredible. I mean, yeah, it got a lot of good noms. I mean, Robert Aldridge even got a nom for the Palme d'Or. Wow. So um, I don't know why I said it like that. Yeah. <laughs> my, 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 French, my French friends, if they're listening, they're going to be like, uh, what the fuck? <laughs> La Palme d'Or, okay? <laughs> she said it right. Get off our backs. <laughs> Oh my god, I feel really delirious because we're recording at night. Yeah, we won't we won't do this anymore. We'll go back to Sundays. So. <laughs> no, it's fine. Yeah. It's it's got like a party vibe to it. It does. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it it's, frankly, I mean, it, it's very impressive in terms of what 
it got recognition for it, it really was being taken seriously by, you know, the establishment film industry. Yeah. When I remember this film, I honestly think of it as a horror. For the sheer uncanny feeling of it. It is a horror film. I it can't is. I can't think of it as any other genre. You know, it's yeah. I, I don't understand what other genre it would fit into. Exactly, because I've heard it described as uh, a family drama. <laughs> no. It's really not. It's not at all. I mean, all family dramas are horrors, but... Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Like, all, fi- all films are horror films. Like, let's just accept this. You know? Yes, all films are horror films. You heard yeah. it here first. <laughs> you know what I was actually thinking? Wouldn't it be funny if Ari Aster remade this? It would be amazing. He would do it so well. I think he would. Who would you cast? Oh, wow. That's a good question. I feel like I would cast the gorgeous redhead who was in Safe. and Julianne Moore. Julianne Moore. Mm-hmm. I feel like she would be good in Joan's role. Yes, I think that's a good call. And who, who would you cast for Betty? Oh, God, it would just be such a great role. It would. Um, hmm. It's so difficult. It is. I guess it would have to be someone maybe with like a comedy background. Yes. But also it would be so fun to cast. Does, does, does Julianne Moore have a feud with anyone? Like it would be so it would. <laughs> I feel like you'd have to, you know, kind of. I feel like just you'd have to cast two people that. Oh, my God. Angelina Jolie and Jennifer Aniston. Oh, my God. Ah! it would be so good oh my god that is that's genius (laughs) okay Ari Aster if you're listening yeah A24 Sarah's got a really good deal for you oh my god that would break every box office record in the world let's uh, make this the um, outtake the the, and tag A24 and make sure make sure they hear it because that's an amazing idea that is incredible yeah Imagine the marketing around that. They'll they'll have to revive those. Remember those t-shirts with the hashtags? Yeah, they would. Like, oh my God, everyone would make a fortune. Everyone involved. Everyone involved. It's just, it's amazing. And they would definitely both do it because it would just be so wonderful, you know? It would be so funny because they're both now separated from Brad. Exactly. Exactly. It's the perfect time. Oh my God. It's the perfect time. It's amazing. And also, like, they kind of, they like echo the original actresses because, you know, like, (laughs) Bessie Davis, like, played the really crazy one. But in Mm -hmm. real life, Joan Crawford was really crazy. (laughs) And I feel like it would be the same thing. Like, Angelina Jolie would play Joan Crawford's part. Um, and Jennifer Aniston would play the Betty Davis part. But in, in, but, you know, in reality, Angelina Jolie is the slightly, like, and slightly unhinged one Uh, ever so slightly yes (laughs) slightly just so slightly like very similar to jones and like adopt some adopted children some like you know like all of this like all of this mommy dearest some mommy dearest stuff (laughs) oh my god this is absolute genius and i would love it if they also incorporated like real crazy things that angie's done yes like the vials of blood or something you know yes oh my god but it would, that would be amazing ah oh, okay this is gonna be amazing i'm oh so excited for god. this film to come out i'm gonna be really disappointed <laughs> if they don't do it 
I, I feel like it's already happening. I feel we like need, I've we seen need a this trailer. to go viral. We need a we viral do. campaign. Guys, help us out. Help us out. Come spread up with the word. Spread the word. <laughs> Tag people. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> and I'm, I'm now also picturing like Jen wearing kind of Angie's style of clothes. Yes. So it would be totally modernized. And she'd have like tattoos, you know. Oh uh, this has to happen. I, ha- I have to get over it. I have to get over it to continue <laughs> this episode because yeah. I just I just want to visualize what, what this could be. Um, okay, so <laughs> the film. Um yeah, I mean actually it got me thinking a lot about Mommy Dearest as well and, and how uncanny that movie is and how great it is. It's an amazing movie. It's it's an amazing, amazing film. Did you ever screen that for Zodiac? No, but I it's all it's on the list. Yeah, it's very um, Zodiac. It's very Zodiac. I would love to screen that. I would yeah, I'm gonna try and I'm actually planning to do a year plan for Zodiac so I can become more organized with it. So mm. I'm gonna put I'm gonna put it in for next year. Maybe a Halloween screening. Mommy Dearest. Or for Mother's Day. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, it's incredible. Faye Dunaway is so good in it. She's really good. I don't know why it got panned so much when it came out because it's like she's amazing. It's really good. She's terrifying. She's yeah. It's really fr- that's also a horror movie. Oh, totally. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, obviously with this movie, I think what makes it the most uncanny is the role reversal. You know, yes. and in a way that they're just doubles of each other. And they're sort of like just reflecting back to each other impulses that they have. I think where the food comes in is Jane is simultaneously depriving, but also like depriving her sister in terms of obviously giving her access to the outside world. She's being like wrongfully imprisoned. But at the same time, the fact that she's fully in control of her food at all times and fully in, in control of all of her care which is kind of like a stand-in for the sustenance element. It's like maternal terrorism. <laughs> it's, like, yeah. it's like a perverse, obscene mother who wants to like, I don't know, like dote on a child. And I would just wonder whether, is she just doing that because, is it that she didn't get enough of that growing up or is she, did she get too much? Well, I mean, like you said, she grows up being the like the provider mm. for the whole family and it's like and it's still I mean there's that really I feel like the scene the film begins and ends with ice cream yes um, it does because she's you know she's having his tantrum outside the stage where where when she's finished performing and she wants ice cream and then she says and an ice cream for Blanche we have to get ice cream for Blanche and mm-hmm. Blanche goes oh no I don't want anything and like, and then that's like this, I don't know, the father gets really angry with her about yeah. it. And it's like, it's this weird, like, it's this kind of weird moment where, and it is quite strange because like, you know, you're, the commu- film communicates that she's, you know, that she's spoiled and she's a bully and she's not very nice. But that moment, she's kind of trying to like control, like she's, yeah, she, I feel like she uses food, like, yeah, the, the giving of food to control Blanche as well as the like taking away of it. Yes. You know, like it's this and like and that's this kind of like strange moment of tension between them where she's she has this tantrum on like on behalf of Blanche too. And Blanche like rejects it, rejects the the treat. Mm-hmm. Um and like what she does and when they make peace at the end, when Blanche admits to her 
that you know she didn't cause the accident and actually it was Blanche's fault and um that she you know she's she's kind of free of this and she says oh we could have been friends the whole time yeah and then she goes back to this moment of childhood and she goes I'm gonna get you some ice cream and um and that's how it ends like she goes and gets she goes like goes and like like Blanche like finally like has no choice but to accept the ice cream (laughs) because she's dying on the beach but I thought that was really interesting how like it comes around full circle to ice cream and to this gift of ice cream that's finally like going to be received mm-hmm. um so yeah like I think maybe she is like she yeah she's kind of stuck between like this mummy and like the film should have been called mummy dearest like because <laughs> she is stuck between this like mummy and baby persona yes yeah, because she's... yeah because that was how she was stuck as a child like as the provider for the family mm. it was like the person you know we're gonna have this food we're gonna use my money to buy it she was the breadwinner. She was the breadwinner. Yeah, exactly. So I think, yeah, it's a oh kind of, God. there's something there of um, of Blanche, like refusing food at the beginning, um, which, and, and like, you know, I think there is this thing of like this kind of traumatic separation, but mm-hmm. in this case, it's, sep- it's like traumatic for like the mother figure as opposed mm-hmm. to traumatic for the baby figure like Blanche is like the baby because she doesn't earn any money Mm. but she's like the one that's like dying to separate and Jane is like the mother figure and she's like she's damaged by Blanche sort of going off and and making her own way in the world um and then you know Jane becomes an alcoholic and that's something that they say is you know sort of caused by like trauma in that oral stage so yeah it kind of all of that whole food thing just like repeat that food and sustenance thing kind of just keeps repeating throughout the film oh my god I feel like I have nothing else to add because that was exquisite oh thank you I mean I don't feel like it was very well formed but there's I'm just yeah observing this kind of theme that pops up through the film and this kind of yeah like I think it's the struggle to it's the struggle it's like the struggle of like two kind of deprived children of who gets to be mummy I guess yes um and that's the struggle they're kind of forever engaged in like yeah who gets to be mummy and who gets to be baby (laughs) and they both kind of want to be both they do but also based on what you said it also sounds like this film can be read as these two characters very much being internal parts of the same woman. Oh, yes. Go on. Well, only because I feel like it's just because you said that there's this like ongoing tension mm-hmm. and there's it's just this kind of push and pull between them, this constant tug of war that it makes me feel like that must be what it feels when you're trying to individuate from your mother. You've internalized something about her, but it's obviously not the, the exact same thing as her. It's your own version or interpretation of her, which is so subjective. Mm-hmm. And somewhere inside you, at an unconscious level, you're trying to process really absurd spectacle that we see in the movie that's just like an, an internal landscape. That's so interesting because, and I'm borrowing from Zizek here, but mm-hmm. it it's sort of echoes the structure in Psycho where the different floors of the house 
mm-hmm. like divide divide characters into different parts of the like consciousness. Yes, and you and like you have that because Jane's domain is the ground floor, mm-hmm. and Blanche's domain is the top floor. So Blanche is like kind of super ego, mm-hmm. and uh, Jane is like id. Yes. So yes. yeah, maybe it is a film about one woman, like and her horrible internal struggle. Yeah. One woman who was a child both a child star and an actress and and a failure, like all three things. Exactly. They, they exactly. Because they all like they go through they're like they're both successes, they're both failures. Like they have kind of the same life, just in reverse. That's it. Like they really have a parallel existence. Yeah. I feel like this whole film could be purely read as her talking to herself. Mm-hmm. And this is how it comes out. I mean, I feel like it could be read as self-harm. Yes, definitely. Um, you know? And it repeats because first it's the like the poor budgie. Yes. And then it's the rat. Mm. Gross. Yeah, it's gross. Um, yeah, I think that's so, that's definitely, that's definitely possible. Like you could, someone could do, Whatever happened to Baby Jane is a one-woman show, mm. um, and like play all the characters. I think oh it would be really God. fun. <laughs> okay, I love all of your concepts for this movie. How it could be remade. I know, I know. Like, I don't know why people haven't done this before. Like, <laughs> is this like I? I should be a producer. Like, I just be Definitely. like, go, go do this. Like, an executive producer. But um, totally, but yeah. Like, I think that would be a really interesting. That's a really interesting way to like deconstruct and interpret it. Yeah, yeah, because it kind of reminded me a little bit of, I mean, I know it's nothing at all like The Perfection, (laughs) that incredible film that we have covered on the pod, by the way, Mm -hmm. uh, for listeners who are who want to hear our thoughts on that. We're we're fans. We're fans of The Perfection. Because, I mean, I read The Perfection purely as a a very sort of elaborate, uh, unconscious fantasy. Yeah, and it's 100%. literally just an internal thing happening, you know, to one woman. And in some ways, it, it this movie also gave me that same feeling because there's so many moments that seem so outlandish. Yeah. A lot of this is like a fever dream, actually. So do you think that Blanche is the like conscious character and Baby Jane is like the fever dream? Yes. And that's why all of the characters that Baby Jane encounters, like the man who comes to play the piano, mm-hmm. are like such kind of like cartoonish representations yes. of people kind of damaged by their parents. Exactly. Like, you've got like the mother and daughter next door and then like the kind of nosy mother and daughter next door and then you've got this mm-hmm. um, and then you've got the yeah, this guy who's like hero worships his father and hates his mother, like <laughs> coming to see her. Yeah. It's so interesting. It could work that way. It totally could work that way. Yeah. Um, But I do think it goes back to what you said earlier about the kind of parallel lives between them, the doubling. Yeah. And I mean, it it could almost, I mean, I hate to once again compare something to that William Wilson text. I feel like I'm always talking about that. (laughs) You know, girl. Yeah, yeah, Edgar Allan Poe sent me a text, you know, um, <laughs> from the from the great beyond. I don't know if I told you this, Sarah, but I read the entire story out on my Patreon as a narration. <gasps> oh, no, I did see that. I did see that. It was amazing. He's he's my favorite for sure. But I feel like it's this is what we're encountering again. You know, it's it's set up as two people 
mm-hmm. almost as doubles and you don't quite know how to gauge it. And then the final scene is that, oh, it was, you know, I was you all along and you were me. Yeah. It's so much easier to externalize those different times in life as if it were another person. That's so true. You know? Yeah. I mean, it is the ultimate fantasy. Like the, I, whenever I'm having... Whenever I'm having a very difficult time, mm. my fantasy is that I'll get like a head injury and I won't, and I'll think of my old self as a different person. Mm. Like people will come up and be like, you know, I'm like, I know this is this thing you're embroiled in. And I'll be like, that sounds awful for her. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't <Yeah>. know her. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think that's a really. And do, there's also something I noticed. Yeah, like a psychogenic fugue. Yeah, kind of. Yes. So like, yeah, it's just kind of different people at the wheel, if you will. Yes. There also is this thing, I mean, because they also are like, they're polar opposites in looks. You yes, know, one of are. them's dark, one of them's dark, one of them's blonde. And there isn't, there's like an implication, I think, that they are two halves of a different, of two different families. Oh, yeah. Because, you know... When she sings, um, I've written a letter to Daddy. The, the mother and and Blanche exchange this like this look of kind of sadness. Yeah. And when I first saw it, I thought, oh, like their father's really dead, and she's like using it in her act. But then the and then the guy who I thought was her manager, they, he, she's calling Daddy. Hmm. And I got I sort of, but you get the impression that he's not Blanche's dad. Mm. Um, or even maybe he's not even Jane's dad. Maybe he's yeah. just like you know, like just when like just men died and a new man moved in, and you just had to like pretend that was your dad in the old days. Yes, you know, in the old days with dads, <laughs> um, <laughs> dads would just want to be replaced in the old days. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. There's something. There's also this. Yeah, there's this kind of implication that they've got. Even like two different family mm-hmm. scenarios going on. It's like, very vague. It's, it's very not, vague. It's left, I think, maybe deliberately, or maybe it's just a happy accident that they didn't give enough exposition about that. But it produces a very big question mark around this family. Yeah. Oh, it's such an uncanny film. Everything about it. Every every moment. It's really. Yeah. Like I said, the makeup for me is the most scary. Because I read that Betty Davis, I don't know whether she was instructed to do this or it was just her idea, but she'd never really washed her face. She just kept like layering more and more on top of what she already had. Wow. So it made it look really crusty and well, the way it looks, you know. That's amazing. She's such an amazing woman. (laughs) She's a genius. Well, shall we move to Swallow? Yeah. To continue this conversation of control and food. Yes. Um, I loved this, by the way. This is my first time watching. I know you've recommended it years ago. Mm-hmm. And I'm, yeah, it's it's just as amazing as you said. I really enjoyed it. I oh, hope I'm all of our listeners have it. enjoyed it as well. Because it's a great one to introduce to people if they haven't seen it. Okay. So, um, Swallow, 2020, Carlo Mirabella Davis. What a lovely name. Yes. Um, Hunter, an artistic young woman married to a rich man, spends her time perfecting the couple's domestic life. On discovering that she is pregnant, she begins to experience an uncontrollable urge to swallow inedible objects, collecting the items when they pass through her system. When her habit is revealed, a battle breaks out between Hunter and her husband's controlling family. 
Perfect. Mm-hmm. She reminds me so much of Jennifer Lawrence. Oh, yeah, definitely. I can see it. There you go. Like, we always have these, like, blonde doppelganger actors, actresses. We do. The... All blonde actresses look alike. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. It's good. She has those hooded eyes, just like just like Jen. Yeah. Also, I saw that she was the um, executive uh, producer of the film. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, which That's is interesting. Cool. Yeah. Exquisitely filmed. Oh, so beautiful. Yeah. So beautiful. When did you first get that uncanny feeling watching this movie? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, honestly, like quite soon. Like, mm-hmm. It doesn't feel rooted in reality, you know, no. because of where they live, I think. <laughs> it just seems like a made up place. Mm-hmm. Um, and hmm, I'm not sure, but I think like the first moment I kind of got this like wobbly feeling was when you see the tray with things that she has managed to pass through her system mm-hmm. and the final thing is like an ornament yeah oh, oh, that looked so uncomfortable like how can you possibly swallow that it was I mean thing is though I can't even I need water to swallow an ibuprofen I need yeah. water to swallow a birth control pill mm-hmm. like I can't dry swallow anything and I no. as a as like a teenager Anything? and a child. Yeah. <laughs> um, Mary. <laughs> My mum's listening. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, but it, I can't, you know, I used to have trouble swallowing pills as a teenager. Like I had to, I had to like practice because mm-hmm. I was so frightened of choking and I just didn't really believe that I could swallow yeah. things without chewing. The idea that she can swallow any of those, like that, it's it's impossible. Some of the things that she swallowed, that it, it's impossible to swallow those things. Yeah, I mean, when she swallowed, what was that like? That long nail, or it looked like a screwdriver. Yes, I know. It was just like it's just it's horrible. Oh my god! I mean, I know that it's actually rooted in a real thing. It's pica, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. So what is pica? Pica. I'm just going to read out the definition. It's it's a disorder, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um. Pica is the eating or craving of things that are not food. It can be a disorder in itself or a sign of other cultural or medical phenomena. The ingested or craved substance may be biological, natural, or man-made. The term was drawn directly from the medieval Latin word for magpie, a bird subject to much folklore regarding the opportunistic feeding behaviors. Okay. Interesting. Okay, that I didn't know, but... um, I remember in psychology courses back at uni, I do, I do remember remember covering pica. And I, all I was told is that people would eat chalk and dirt. I was not told they'd be eating batteries. <laughs> yes, I know. Well, that is what they, people usually say. That's the example. And that it's eating as opposed yes. to swallowing. Like it's exactly. like masticating, enjoying that as food. Yeah, this is different. Like it's just like she needs to get it inside her as fast as possible, and but like, then recover it and recover it. So it's kind of different. It that's is. why I mean, that's why diagnoses don't really mean anything because I know. like they're just like a collection of they're a collection of behaviors and symptoms. Like they're not they're not actually it, they're so a incidental. Yeah. yeah, like they're incidental, which this you know does turn out to be. Yes, um, I was happy to see a rogue therapist to add to my list. I know. I cannot film. believe what that therapist did. I know, it's awful. But I get you sort of got the sense that she really had no choice. 
because if she hadn't because I think the int the intention was to keep her as a client and to help her because if she hadn't the family yeah. was so controlling they would have taken pregnant, her out obviously their... yeah she's pregnant so she I guess you're right I guess when the therapist decided to call the husband and say about like her family history and trauma and the rape etc mm-hmm. um yeah maybe she was doing it for the welfare of the baby oh no I think she's doing it for well because he sort of says like if you don't tell me like we'll that's right we'll take her we won't we'll take her out of therapy that's true and so it's sort of a it's like a, it's the only way that Hunter can have treatment is under these conditions and I guess she knows mm-hmm. that like no matter what because like that is the thing about my I always think that about um like therapy in Hollywood mm-hmm. um like it must be people are so powerful and so rich and so influential mm-hmm. that like I don't think therapy can work because you can you there's always like because that if people are rich enough and powerful enough like they'll always be able to find someone to manipulate yeah. I thought that about like when when like Britney Spears was going to therapy oh, yeah. like it's just like it totally renders therapy like pointless if like the therapist is under the control of rich and powerful people and so and like these these this family renders therapy totally pointless because they'll always find someone who they can pay they can pay for to be rogue you know to yes. like sub, to subvert the relationship um oh, wow. so they have yeah they have no respect for therapy for psychoanalysis no. No, they no. just want her to be like a functioning farm for the ceo of their company as they say <laughs> that may be you know what that actually made me feel sick when I he know. points to her stomach and says that's our next ceo and i was like you're not even gonna interview him like <laughs> Like you're not even no like you're not even gonna see if he's like you know he could be a psychopath for the next CEO of our company. You're gonna give him the job. Like I was just so I feel feel like I'm just so like angry with the way that people get jobs in this world. Like I was just like I was like you're not even gonna meet him first. Like before you choose him for CEO, <laughs> I was so angry. Exactly. You haven't even like interned him or anything. Like exactly. he's just going straight to the top. He's just going straight to the top. He could be a woman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, yeah, I know. That was such an irritating moment. I mean, to be honest, it was it was very uncanny right from that scene when they sit down and she starts talking about some strange guy from her hometown who had like a dirty face and he was a a homeless guy or something like that. Or maybe he was in a cult. Yeah. It sounds like a really interesting story. Yeah. I wanted to hear that story. And then like her husband's the one who like forced her to tell it and she was starting to tell it. And then the father-in-law just cuts her off. Yeah. Like I think the uncanny thing about that film is that that family can't be real. Exactly. Who could be that obnoxious? Yeah. And again, it's, it's like another it's like another kind of fantasy space I think yeah I think so I think so I don't think I don't I think you're right I think all of it has to be read as an allegory because actually she even ends up with dirt on her face I mean she almost becomes this homeless character that she's trying to describe remember when she's like tempted to eat the dirt in the garden and then her hands are all dirty and she rubs it on her face yes that's she becomes a character from her story yeah, she does. You're right. Um, but also it really reminded me of Rosemary's Baby. Yeah, definitely. Because the mother-in-law is trying to make her smoothies. 
Yes, that must be a reference. It has to be a reference. It has to be. Um, yeah, but like it was so nightmarish, like at that point when they kind of when like they're at the, <sighs> the they have the party and everyone knows about yeah, like it's again, it can't be real. It can't be real. She's just like yeah, she's just sort of like a like an animal, like a pet in this world. Yeah, like the girl says to her, uh, you'll have to pump my stomach or something. Yeah. And then what about that that friend of the husband who just wants to be hugged all the time? Yes. That's really strange as well. It is. I don't know. And I loved um, the scene with her mother on the phone. Um, yes. Because it seemed like her mother was like reading a script. Mm-hmm. Um, because it was a really unnatural way of speaking. And at first I thought, oh, like the husband's got to her, the husband's got to the mother Mm. and it's like a trick and they're going to trap her. But actually it's like more like there's just, it's like this, this kind of script likeness was like this interplay of like a family psychodrama that has to be like played out according to the script in order for her to, yeah, again, it does, it seems like, yeah, she has to go through this sort of thing to, to get to the place that she is kind of in at the end. It's very, yeah, it's very interesting. I mean, yeah. And when I first saw it, it occurred to me that the recovery of the objects post swallowing and then like cleaning them and then displaying them, but feeling tempted to constantly repeat Mm. with, with the kind of this ever growing collection of objects, I couldn't help but think that maybe this whole film is really trying to tell us about what we're doing with trauma Mm -hmm. in terms of like reliving something. Um, And then, and then I don't know whether it's like a healthy processing of something difficult or painful, or it's a pathological, like compulsive desire to repeat, but it's not, it's not helping you heal. It's kind of keeping you in that deadlock of the trauma. Because if you recall, like, she tells the therapist that she was a product of rape. Mm-hmm. So her mother was violated and the man who raised her was like just her stepdad, but her real father was a rapist. So is she then just re-traumatizing herself by violating herself with objects to kind of somehow come to terms with her mother being raped? So there's like the violation is the swallowing. But then yes. the like recovering the object is like is like giving birth, mm. and then like she treasures the objects. Okay. So she's what she's like doing. I think is like the opposite of so her mother gave birth to her but didn't um, like her or love mm-hmm. her, mm-hmm. and what she does is that she recovers the objects and she loves them. Yeah, true. Um, so like they pass through. So like she's kind of doing this process where like at the beginning something's a trauma and then it comes out and you can you like can feel good about the the like the product of this trauma yeah I mean she's almost prideful of the objects yeah she's she is she like yeah she like kind of touches them she like lays them out like she keeps them they're really precious to her yes um but then the film ends with an abortion yeah and I guess so I guess that yeah I mean you do like to get over any trauma or just to kind of work through anything like trauma or not you kind of do have to repeat the same yeah you do have to repeat the same pattern and at some point the pattern imprisons you which is what happens to her because she literally has like a guard to stop her leaving (laughs) the house or doing Mm -hmm. anything and 
um, you know, she has like the mother-in-law making her smoothies and she's just really like farmed about, like she can't do anything. Mm. And then at some point, maybe like at the end, she kind of like relinquishes this idea of like having to, like having to kind of be responsible for something traumatic or like she kind of, she like, you know, she gets rid of this baby and then at the same time like in getting rid of this baby she also kind of gets rid rid of like the need to be I suppose kind of she gets rid of the need to be loved by her mother yeah and she's just she's so and she's just kind of like an an individual for the first time in the film and it's kind of clear that like she's had this relationship like this kind of parasitic relationship because she is kind of a parasite like her husband kind of calls her a parasite yeah, and it's just like like while you're at home, like you know, buying curtains and playing off playing on your phone while I'm working. Yeah. Um. So yeah, there's some kind of process of like giving, you know, sort of giving birth to this like unwanted thing mm-hmm. over and over and over again until she doesn't have to do that anymore. I guess it's like she's she's almost also absolving this unborn child of the intergenerational trauma as well because. If you, when she kind of goes and confronts her dad, um, that was actually a really interesting scene because she shows up at this birthday party, and she's obviously confronting her biological dad, the the man who raped her mother. Mm-hmm. And what she really wants to know is, "Am I like you?" Yeah. And she's worried that whatever like evil gene he has, he's passed on to her. And you can see that she's really suffering. Like she's had to live with the knowledge that she was a product of rape and that that also informed how her mother viewed her. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of like unarticulated pain there. Maybe she's come to terms with the fact that she doesn't want to have her own kid live with, with that suffering. You get this hint of like this kind of block that she has in life. And I think often people... Mm. um like find a block in uh creativity or not necessarily yeah. in creativity but in finding um in realizing an ambition or a project mm-hmm. and she says you know I would go to these I would go to these sort of call outs for illustrators and I wouldn't get anywhere and I just worked in the shop yeah. and like how many people how many like millennial millennials in hackney like go to therapy and say the same thing you know <laughs> of like and and have to figure out like why that is yeah um uh, myself included and so at the and at the end she's in a mall mm-hmm. um and it's kind of i don't know it's sort of like she's like she started again but with like much brighter prospects now yeah um so i kind of like that like there's like maybe children in her future but she's, yeah, she's kind of prevented, like, harm coming to this one by, like, working through all of these, all mm-hmm. of these things, you know? Yeah, definitely. And it's also, it's, it, 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 it helps to still co- consider that pregnancy as part of that allegory. It's that last link that ties her to this oppressive, tyrannical family. Yeah, so it it makes sense in that in that regard to um, just completely liberate herself from them. Yeah, it's kind of fantastic. Oh, yes. I mean, I loved that. I loved that moment, and I like that it ends in a toilet. But I have to say, I mean, I don't want to be like nitpicky about that scene because it is a very serious scene. 
but it it did bother me that she didn't wipe <laughs> afterwards. Yes, yeah, same. Same. It bothered me as well. I was like, you what are you doing? Like like yeah, it was that really annoyed me as well, actually. But also she didn't flush the toilet. I know, I kept thinking I kept waiting for someone to like discover it. Me too, because there's all yeah, it's like this long take of women using the bathroom. And yeah. I was just like I just, I was just waiting for that moment where someone was gonna awkwardly find Well, it actually made me oh. think like that I mean, I I don't know, I haven't I haven't personally had an abortion. Um mm-hmm. I haven't been pregnant, but um neither have I. Yeah. Um and um so and I know that that's the preferable way to take the pill. Yes. Like, if you can get it early, but the process of having to flush afterwards. Yeah. Must feel like a bit of a momentous thing. Yes. Like a bit of it just suddenly made me think that. Like I don't know if anyone has any insight into that. Mm-hmm. But like I was like, oh, that's really weird that you're required to fl- that you're required to do your sort of like your own process of like mm-hmm. incineration almost, you know, like yeah. Um. And yeah, I thought that was quite, that's quite strange in a way that that's what happens, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder whether that also has to tie in with what she was doing before, because Mm -hmm. she was always recovering something from the toilet. Yeah. In the past when she was swallowing objects. But this time, the fact that she didn't flush and she just like walked out. Yeah, it is interesting. It's like it's like the ultimate release, maybe, of not even caring to flush. Like it being so separate from you. It's like that's it. That's where you draw the line. Yeah, I guess so. Because she was so over involved before. It was so rit- ritualistic. I guess, like you know, going going back to our best friend Shujak. Friend like, of the pod. Friend of the pod. Um, you know, like, I guess, like, flushing in a way is kind of, like, about not wanting to confront your past. <laughs> <laughs> like, the conversation. Exactly. Like. Oh, my God. Um, so, um, so the fact that she doesn't flush is, like, just means that she's, like, totally, like, happy. Yeah, totally okay with her past. Yeah, It doesn't it doesn't like disturb it's not like an uncanny object for her it's just like that could threaten to return yeah there's no threat of it returning like it can, oh wow it's just like part of the furniture and that's that's kind of that's kind of nice well so yeah I think it's, it's so that maybe that's why she doesn't wipe either like... <laughs> no i'm sorry that i cannot get that no. <laughs> No, no amount of psychoanalytic theorizing will get me on board with that, okay? Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. I love, I love that. Yeah, it's very important, I think. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, if you do read, like, feces as, like, <laughs> your past, which it is, like, it's your recent past, <laughs> like, the fact that, and the way that she's, like, gets down on her hands and knees and, like, goes through it, like, searching yeah. for, like, recovered objects, it's just, like, well, like, you know, it's just the ultimate sort of act of, like, trying to get, you know, pull yourself together and trying to... Yeah. you know figure trying to do some detective work and trying to figure yourself out yes it is and that's like that's really nice I just bodily fluids and you know emissions are just so fascinating in cinema mm-hmm. I'll never not be never not be interested <laughs> like uh, did we say on the podcast that I had like 
a vomiting virus last week and I had to like got like a taste of my own medicine of like ha- getting having to confront vomiting oh my god after being so interested in talking about it for ages like as it was happening I was just like I don't like this as much as I thought I did <laughs> as it was coming out of my nose <laughs> I can't believe you didn't live stream it Sarah I can't believe I didn't either okay. <laughs> uh. I'm not I'm not as dedicated to my subject as I thought I was. This is this is the ultimate content, you know. This is, the, is. this is what the people want to see. <laughs> well, now I'm interested in poop. Like that's my <laughs> that's my new thing. <laughs> that's what we're talking about now. <laughs> I've got the I've I've got I've got the whole vomiting thing out of my system. <laughs> now now we're getting all scatological up yeah, in here. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Oh my god, what's what's my favorite bodily emission? I, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I would have to say, I'm sorry if this is like too risque, but I am a big fan of ejaculate. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, like it's got a lot going for it, you know? Like it's a pretty useful substance. Um and it like it, you know, it's so graceful. <laughs> oh my god do you dare me to keep this in yes definitely keep it in keep it i'm only gonna keep it in because sarah dared me yeah i do i like pus (laughs) i think that's like there's just something so satisfying about it like it speaks something really deep within me you know oh my god do you ever follow that hashtag on instagram for like extractions like people like taking out like blackheads from the skin and like popping pimples I don't follow it because I don't (laughs) wish to be confronted with it when I don't when I haven't asked for it okay um so like I will search sometimes I will search for it and I will do you know like I will go on a little odyssey of my own but I would I would never want to be confronted by surprise (laughs) um with an extraction on my TL no don't want that (laughs) It's the first, it's private. That's private time. <laughs> oh my God. I don't know. I don't, I have no idea how this will not go viral. Like yeah. this episode this is episode, gold This dust. is the best episode we've ever done. It's, we should always like, we should always record when we're really hungry and it's like always nine o'clock at night. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're basically in our prime. Yeah. Um, no, okay, fair enough. I mean, I don't follow the hashtag either for the same reason. And I'm trying to notice when it is that I actually do search for it. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like it's linked to something. Oh, interesting. Just because I find that so satisfying, you know, um, especially when they get a real like, you know, like it's a real humdinger, you know, <laughs> of an extraction. Yeah. And I want to know wh- why, like, what's the impulse? Why do I need to see it coming out? Um, anyway, that's I just... I think that's yeah. really, yeah, it's a good thing to explore. I, um, yes. Try and chronicle, you know, the times when, I'm, when I've got the impulse to look at that. Um, yeah, I mean, initially I thought it was just because I'm interested in skincare, but <laughs> I'm sure it's no, because of it's, something else. it's deeper than that. It's it is deeper. Than that. Yeah, I'm trying Maybe to get at something. Maybe we should hold... A, a summit like a symposium a bimbo summit a bimbo summit yeah and like just get like the you know foremost thinkers in the world to talk about you know extractions and why they're so 
by the second pelling. Oh my we'll figure God. it out. I'm loving the ideas you're having in I this know. episode. I'm such a businesswoman <laughs> this week. You're like girl boss extraordinaire. I am. <laughs> <laughs> it's all it's all just part of the conversation. You're as responsible as me. Meanwhile, I've just told everybody that I like a jacket. Yes. <laughs> Well, it's a bimbo summit. <laughs> yeah, definitely a bimbo summit. Yeah. Oh my god, amazing! Do you have anything else to say about swallow? No. <laughs> no. Oh, well, please don't unsubscribe from us. <laughs> no, I am all swallowed out. Honestly. <laughs> I'm spent, if you will. <laughs> oh my god, I need to get myself together here. Me too. Let's go and have some food. Let's, yeah, um, we need to get some food in us. End the episode. Um, let's ask people <laughs> to remember to uh, rate and review. Yes. Very helpful. Um, to follow us on social media. And if they like to, if they've enjoyed this, if they'd like to crowdfund the remake of Whatever Happened to Baby Jane with Jennifer Aniston and Angelina Jolie to donate to us using the donate button on our website. Yeah, that's right. Definitely send us the cash because we will make it happen. Yeah, totally. We'll make- <laughs> but like all we need is a million. That's what they, that's how they made the original. So there you go. It's not actually very much money. <laughs> Yeah, and also we love it when you comment on Twitter and like share your impression of the episode. We love retweeting you. Yeah, we really do like that. So please uh, continue to share your feedback. I mean, we love your DMs too. Don't get me wrong, but I want to be more public here. I want to I want to tell the world what you think. If you like us, you should you should let the world know, not just us. Yeah, I want to shout it from the rooftops. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) are you ashamed of us? oh my god well thank you so much this has been really fun what is the next topic the next topic is beauty death becomes her and makeup oh very fun yeah i can't wait can't wait i'll see you in two weeks mary see you in two weeks bye bye